Welcome, guys, to the very, 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 very first, first episode, episode. episode of Back to Backwards. Back to Backwards. Back to Backwards. The most interesting podcast where you can finally hear the voices of the CEOs, founders, or developers behind your favorite project. And today, and today I invited today. Henrik, Henrik Hilton. He's the founder and CEO of a project I've been following for quite some time called Chromia. So while you're listening to this uh, custom intro, I'll be making a new intro tune every single episode. We are going to dive in in the interview with Henrik. Welcome, Henrik. Thanks for joining uh, this very first episode of Back to Backwards. I'm glad to have you. Hello. Um, for the people who aren't familiar with Chromia yet, could you tell us something about yourself? Uh, what can I tell about myself? Um, I'm a middle-aged dude. Um, start in computers development. Um, started other things at university, economics and things like that. And worked in finance and uh, then became an entrepreneur. And then was introduced to Bitcoin by our CTO, Alex, that had made the first protocol to issue tokens called mm-hmm. the Color Coins mm-hmm. Protocol in 2012 or something like that. So I started to join him uh, on development, but also looking at if we could commercialize this thing that eventually wanted to be the blockchain movement. Uh, At the time, it was like quite interesting. No one really saw much potential like we do now. I was a little surprised that it's just grow. Yeah, because I can imagine in the beginning when Bitcoin saw light, it was like only just a means of new currency. So I guess you guys were quite early in seeing uh, the potential of the underlying tech. Yeah. I don't know if we saw the potential that much, but uh, for me, it was like, this is interesting technology. We can do exchanges and we can do clearing and settlement easily. And yeah, you know, can start to use these tokens for various things. So I remember I was in, in, in this meetup in 2013 and talked about tokens for the first time. And, People were just sort of, <laughs> was almost no response. Yeah, oh, <laughs> to remittances and Bitcoin. So like, but. Yeah, well, the world has changed a lot. I mean, I think even like most of the newcomers, they don't even know the difference between a coin or a yeah. token. But I think the biggest uh, adoption will be shown into uh, the usage of, uh, of tokens. And I've been following Chromia for, uh, well, I think over a year right now. But for the newcomers, like on your website, we can read the slogan, uh, and I quote, the relational blockchain platform that makes sense. So this leads to a very simple question for me. What is a relational blockchain and and how does it actually make sense for the end user? Yeah, so relational blockchain is a combination between a traditional database and a blockchain. And we think it makes sense because blockchain is ultimately about managing data in a secure mm-hmm. context. And sort of it's a solved issue how we manage data. It's been, you know, used in enterprises for, you know, 40 years or something, completely dominating the market, 
sort of 100% market penetration. So everyone is using relational databases. They built e-commerce, the social web, Facebook, uh, uh, SAP, core banking, everywhere, basically, use this technology to manage data. But in blockchain world, no, we need to invent something from scratch and sort of get rid of everything old and make something new. But it makes it really hard to program. And so we think that that's the sensible way to do coding, that actually proved himself to work for Web 1.0, Web 2.0, etc. So as I'm hearing it correctly, you are also trying to lay a foundation, but also create a industry standard for businesses to implement this kind of technology. But over the past years, we've seen countless of decentralized applications or, or dApps released on different blockchains. Some were successful, but others turned out to be like a total disaster and even led to the severe congestion of certain blockchains. So how does Chromia approaches this differently than, for instance, Ethereum? Yeah, so basically almost all other blockchains are at core sort of very close to the original blockchain. It's a chain of transactions linked together in a list, mm -hmm. basically. That, that's sort of a blockchain. And uh, different protocols and platforms try to optimize for performance and scalability, but they're still using the same model of linking transactions after each other. So that's what we do completely different. You know, we have that as a low-level uh, you know, definition of blockchain as well, but as an application developer, you can use the normal tools that you probably are used to or have been using for a lot of years that is proven itself. So you use a more optimal way of structuring information uh, in tables, relations, um, so basically mathematical logic at the core for how to structure data. Makes it much easier to find information and store information. But again, I have to sort of argue why this is a good model, but it's completely proven itself and powering basically everything that we use in our daily lives now. So that, that's what we do fundamentally different versus other blockchains that we have another mathematical model for how to structure information that's based on uh, something that's proven itself. That's the tech feature that Chromia provides that no one else does, I'd say. So for a bank or a insurance company, what would be like the biggest advantages of implementing Chromia or other blockchain-based systems to run their business on? Yeah, so for example, uh, you already know that this kind of technology works because you have been using it for many years in lots of applications. I would say that the bank probably has at least 100 applications that are using this technology. And bank might even have 100 plus developers that knows this kind of technology. And they, they have bought into uh, products from Microsoft or Oracle or mm -hmm. IBM or MySQL, MariaDB, different implementations. Now Amazon, everyone is, is doing this technology. So they have a, a lot of experience in that it's something that works at core. So you can build on top of that. And the applications that you make can look like normal applications. Like you don't need to have your clients or customers or partners go to buy a cryptocurrency in order to use an application. For example, we support free to use models and applications look like you're used to. Um, yeah, I think that's the most important thing when you're uh, thinking about uh, adoption, that technology uh, should be invisible 
And this also that's easy to do, you know, for developers, you know, basically how long time it takes to make an application, you know, that it's possible. Uh, we have some sample cases, actually, of, uh, we have product, we didn't make it actually, it's another studio that made green assets wallet is enterprise applications for environmental tracking of green bonds. Mm -hmm. And um, basically you can upload PDFs or IOT devices can measure energy or satellite footage of solar power plants. All the promises of a green bond that the issuer makes can be verified by the investors. Uh, basically financial institutions working on a data set that they uh, can use in a collaborative context. You don't need to just want to use that information. What are the environmental reporting? Is it done in time, et cetera? Who are the parties that have verified the claims? So you just put that on a blockchain and, and it looks like a normal application that you just used. So there's no weirdness mm -hmm, or anything. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's just as easy to do. So you can check it out, Green, green Assets Wallet. So that's a sample of, you know, it, blockchain doesn't have to be complicated for developers or for users. So that's just an enterprise application we have for clients as well. Various cases of how this can be used. In the light of that, I asked my followers to uh, submit some questions uh, regarding uh, uh, the apps yeah. on Chromia. And there was one question from uh, his name is, uh, or his Twitter name is Bitman360. And he was asking if the utility of the token uh, will be the same for all D apps, or will the developers get to decide the token's utility uh, within their own D app? So we have one token, Chroma, for basically paying for the infrastructure. The utility, it's like a value proposition. How much value does this token provide for my application? I guess it, it's different. You know, hosting an application will cost the same depending on if you use the same kind of resources. Uh, it's paid normally by the application developer mm -hmm. that can actually delegate it to the application itself. And then it becomes interesting because the users can crowdfund operations and control applications, etc. But sort of the cost of running an application is the same depending on what you use it for. But the utility... Um, Depends on how much you want to use our token. You can also define your own token for your okay. system. Okay. You don't need to have your users own Chroma. You can define your own tokens in your system. So if you have a game that is free to play, you can have your own tokens and hand them out for free to the users. Okay, so like launching a ERC token on the Ethereum network, you can also launch your own token on the CHR network that can be specifically used within the DApp. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, you can have more, more than one token. Maybe you have, take a game as an example, you can have in-game currency, but you can also have various awards or tokens that have not affect the gameplay. Oh, yeah. Something like uh, gamification. And then maybe you can buy them for Chrome or have them sell them for Chromio with the second-hand market that you implement, etc. So you can use Chroma to move between applications. You can use Chroma to pay for hosting uh, and also for providers to, to put in stake to ensure that the network is, is good. So. All right. Uh, a second question I, uh, I picked from uh, uh, the questions is one from uh, BTC Gold Rush. And his question uh, goes, how will the public mainnet and CHR holders uh, benefit from enterprise adoption of private solutions? 
So it depends, you know, uh, I think that there is a trend a little bit among enterprises to, to look more at public networks. When we started, they wouldn't touch public networks. We actually started with the first bank project on blockchain, I think 2014 with LSV Bank in Estonia. We thought, uh, this is cool. We have a customer. Then we just have to yeah. find other customers for tokens on a public blockchain. But, you know, we found one more, I think. Because all the enterprises, they wanted to control the network. And so they're used to that kind of infrastructure where they control things. So they start off with that way. But then basically, on the other hand, we have the public, what's happening on the public blockchains and disruptions and new players entering the market. Just imagine if you're a bank and then Facebook comes and say, we will do a Libra currency. It's sort of a threat to your models. So Definitely. Even yeah. banks and enterprises start to look at, can we actually also use public blockchains and maybe use hybrid solutions where we have part of the information shared among us and part of it on a public blockchain? Yeah, I mean, you see like a lot of institutions, they, yeah, they're trying to kill the threats with the same technology they are being uh, threatened with. Um, so it's a very interesting playing field. Yeah, but, but I mean, you never know from a customer what, what will they want, private only? Will they want a hybrid or a public hmm. blockchain? And I don't think we can sort of necessarily force them to go all public. You know, that doesn't work. But it, over time, I think they will look more and more at the public yeah. blockchains, tokenization, kind of business models and opportunities that are opening up. Um, so the, the, good, the answer how they will benefit, first you'll have a percentage of the people that are building private blockchains that will look at what can we do with a public blockchain. And I think that our technology makes a lot of sense for basically all enterprises because this is the technology that uh, has proven itself over the last 40 years and to, to work in enterprise contexts. So maybe they will start with the private blockchain and then look at maybe we can host this publicly because we don't need to control the information, just a hassle to run nodes and all that stuff. That's basically what happened with the green assets wallet. We did the first version as a private blockchain, then the second version, uh, another studio from Ukraine, Fire Labs, did that implementation mm -hmm. and moved it to the public Chromium. Because it didn't make sense for the enterprises to, they just wanted to use this. They yeah. wanted to have the green bonds uh, reporting. They don't want to run nodes, set up IT infrastructure. There's no point. Hmm. I think that touches base on a part of the question my follower asked. Like, for instance, if a big bank makes use of uh, of your network for their private solution, would there be any benefit for a average CHR token holder uh, when such partners step in? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, I think that a certain percentage of the private blockchains will migrate into public or have a, a hybrid where part of it is published. It could be a simple feature. We can improve security by having part of the proofs put on a public blockchain, basically. Okay. Uh, that's very tempting to make a better solutions, even if you have a private blockchain. Can, why, why wouldn't we want to add some anchoring into a public blockchain? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I would, I would estimate that there's a lot of them that will use features of a public blockchain as well. But otherwise... Uh, you can't have it all. Like uh, I think it can drive adoption to the public blockchain by having it proven good enterprise technology, but uh, you never know. Well, thanks for that. Um, then there's a final question I highlighted, and it's about the, the newly minted tokens. 
the question was like, how can we be assured that the team doesn't mint 100 mil tokens every few months? We have specified always in our white paper and in public communication how we plan to release tokens over time for uh, promotional use and for, for stimulating the project in various ways. Uh, so we have not broken that, sort of. We have sort of said that we had a phase where we didn't need to do much marketing because uh, we didn't think that it was strategic mm-hmm. to do it before we had some things to release. And then we have some releases and important things. Uh, we have been listed on exchanges, etc. So we need to do a little bit more marketing and thus increase spending for, for a short period of time. We cannot have... I mean, there, there are limits to... We cannot ask the community for every thing we spend on but on the other hand we are regulated because people observe you and uh, you know we know that we cannot just yeah yeah spend money on things without get get get, getting noticed so then we would kill the project so how can we no you're totally right we make sure that we don't spend the money because then we would have no reputation a lot of people just forget about the fact that a lot of projects are all are also just, you know, regular companies that need to pay bills, pay employees, uh, pay for whatever it, uh, is needed to to run a company and move move it forward. Yeah, there are also limits to what we can say sometimes about activities that we do, so we cannot sort of always do that. But we have we have an article on our blog announcing the twenty two million. CSR burn. It links to previous articles from September specifying how much we could mint, and it shows that we could go down in spendings, and then we go up in spendings. We haven't sort of spent more than we have said. All right. Well, thanks for elaborating on that. You already mentioned something about uh, about gaming, and I think we can all agree about the fact that the gaming industry uh, is huge. Um. So how do you see the use of blockchain uh, technology adding value to the current gaming experience people have? Yeah, I think that most uh, of uh, the blockchain has, is a little bit primitive in how it's implemented now. For a lot of blockchains, it's just you know having a hexadecimal code on a blockchain proving that you own an asset, but you're completely dependent on servers being up and running and... If you close down the service, only you will only have your sort of hex code. You will not have your kittens. You will not yeah, have yeah. Source, <laughs> yeah. Doesn't really solve the complete. I mean, it's a part. It's good, but it doesn't solve the complete picture. So, and there are more we can do with gaming. I think it's about basically it's a, a little bit of a an experimental ground of things that can become the applications of the future. I would like to see more games that are governed by users, where users have a say. Mm-hmm. They maybe you cannot change the game rules arbitrarily without asking the community that build up the value in the game by playing and building up the network, so to speak. Like community votes on how the game progresses, yeah, maybe. Like it can be so many implemented in so many ways. And I'm not saying that all the Chromia games right now are the perfect showcase of everything, right? We also need to start somewhere. Of course. So we release the game that is fun to play. It scales, it's already using shitloads of transactions. Mm-hmm. When we looked at the numbers, it's it's quite impressive, I would say. So we have one game that's fun and showcase scalability. 
Then there is another company, uh, Chain of Alliance, that has done something even more impressive in a way because they put the complete logic on blockchain. So it's a strategy game with the logic. Yeah, that's the latest the game that was uh, released on Chromia, yeah, is it? Yeah, it's exactly released uh, just you know, some days ago, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so you should check out Chain of Alliance. Um, that's more in the in the futuristic world, I would say. Uh, we're also doing you know, sort of a stealth mode project together with with a with a game company to showcase technical potential. Okay. I uh, hope we can show something about that. Uh, we did our first game with a US studio, uh, Working Man. Uh, then we have also acquired a game company, Anthro Interactive, and we used their help to do a game uh, mm-hmm. showcasing mm-hmm. Uh, Chromia that we will sort of show the demo soon. Also, Antler has their own uh, games that they have been doing, Antler Interactive. Um, just Christopia 1 got rave reviews and will be featured soon in uh, one of the app stores, I would say. That's not on the blockchain yet. Christopia 2 will be re- released this summer. Uh, and that will be uh, with Chromia Elements. Uh, so we hope that that can take off. It seems they got already very good reviews for the pre-releases and stuff like that. Yeah, I think the the biggest challenge is to show the public the added value of uh, of bringing blockchain into gaming. Yeah, and we need to take it uh, gradually. But I would say having logic on chain uh, governance that's more interesting than yeah, because it it adds extra features for the gaming experience. We have, we have a, a very interesting implementation of non fungible tokens in our world. We call it Chromia Originals, and uh, it's basically how you compose objects of, of other objects and. Uh, do it in, a, in the same way. So we have we have some tools for game developers as well as integrations with some gaming platforms and, and things like that. So we're always looking for uh, new studios that are want to explore blockchain and uh, indive- independent developers as well. So I think uh, we should uh, be on the lookout for the release of the of the newest game coming this summer. As I'm keeping this podcast uh, format relatively short, uh, let me ask you my final question: What is the most exciting event? coming up for Chromia in 2020? Uh, I don't think we, we only basically pl- planned until the first first half, but uh, yeah, I hope that we can uh, sort of release more on the core platform, um, of course, mm-hmm. and that's exciting at all the time. And things most of us don't even know. I saw a pre-release of this more experimental game that we're doing, and it looks really, really good, for example. Uh, so I hope that will be some surprises on that as well. As okay. Of course, we will look at various partnerships and, and business developments. We're working on the enterprise side as well. Maybe we will have something exciting in that sector. So we have to keep our eyes open. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this industry moves so fast that we move so fast. So you never know, can't plan. Uh, sometimes even, you know, it's surprising that people think that you can make this plan for for your release of everything <laughs> yeah well the if uh, t- uh, 2020 showed us one thing it's uh it's yeah that you cannot plan things i mean it's been a crazy crazy ride uh within and outside of crypto but it goes in two ways so sometimes you're you're a bit delayed on one aspect and then actually yeah. some stuff moves faster and comes uh, so that's also something that, that i think so. all right Thank you, uh, Henrik, for this uh, for this quick interview. Everyone, just make sure to check out Chromia, and uh, we might speak another time, uh, Henrik. 
Yeah, I, I will try to be more short, not talk so much next time. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, all right, Joe, what's up? If you made it this far, listening to my very first podcast, well, thank you, sir or lady. If you have any other project uh, you would like to have the CEO coming on on this podcast, just shoot me a DM and I will see what I can do.